Thanks for listening to the show. Join us online at playvolutionhq.com and learn how to support the show at explorationsearlylearning.com slash support. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that early childhood nerd podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Go. Welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd, the podcast formerly known as Cause and Effect. Tiffany's here today. Howdy. With a sleeping baby. Yep. He's sleeping on my lap right now. If he wakes up, he wakes up. Some waking up noises. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we're ready. We're going to talk about Emily Plank's book, Discovering the Culture of Childhood, Mm -hmm. which I love. Yeah. I'm Um, I'm underlining like every sentence in this book. Yeah. um, I think it's come up on several episodes. It has. So if we haven't been clear, anyone who interacts with children on any level should read this book. Absolutely. Even if you're just seeing them in the grocery store yep, with their parents. Yep. Um, and as I was looking at the quote that we picked for today, I decided I need to read it again because it's been almost a year. <laughs> and I'm sure eventually the whole book's going to be underlined. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You should do a thing um, where every time you reread it, you use a different color. A different color. Good yeah. idea. Or a different it's on my Kindle, tool. but I think I can do that. I think yeah. I can do different color highlighting on the Kindle. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it's a great book. Great. Book. And here's what we're, here's what we're going to talk about. It's sort of longer than just the quote. Cause we want to get the context in. Yes. And then, so educators, Elizabeth Jones and Renata Cooper share a revealing conversation. Jones overheard between her two children. An older brother was giving his younger sister some advice about kindergarten. No point in starting anything here. They never let you finish. Don't get interested. You'll just get interrupted. Because children live with the reality that their play attempts might be interrupted at any moment, they defend their play fiercely. Yep. Yep. I t- I've been talking about this a lot lately, this idea that we teach children not to get engaged by our constant interruptions. Yes. So oh, I think, my goodness. I think this is going to be a good one. Because So here's one thing. We talk about school readiness, and I think anyone who listens to the podcast knows that there's sort of an asterisk whenever we use that phrase, Yeah, school readiness, there's some disdain implied. <laughs> yes. Um, but one of the things we want them to be ready for that we, I think we can all agree on is that children should be able to stay with a task or focus on a task, but so much of what we do in early childhood actually reinforces the opposite. Yes. What we and want is da- for them to immediately focus on the task we want them to focus on immediately. Uh-huh. Yeah. And and if you look at a typical child care program, early childhood program schedule, we're interrupting them at least every half hour yep. for an official change of activity. And then within that, we interrupt them even more frequently with questions or suggestions or corrections. Yeah. And uh, I think that would be a really frustrating way to live yeah. on the other side, to I, get into always, the kids' shoes. I like to equate things to adult terms because I think yes. adults don't always stop to think about what it looks like in their life. Right. So it's 
to me, it's imagine you have 15 minutes to do a thing. Uh-huh. But you only have 15 minutes. What do you do with those 15 minutes? Mm. And the things that you do are not in-depth anything. The things, right. Like, what would you do with 15 minutes of... You have exactly 15 minutes before you have to go somewhere. Right. Are you going to yeah, sit you, down you and get engaged sit. in this great book? No. Because no. by the time you get into it, you have to stop. Right. And really anything. Yeah, I'd sit and I'd stare. I'd sit and I'd play on my phone. Yeah, absolutely. Until the 15 minutes were up and then... Yep. I wouldn't even have a chance to like, oh, maybe I'll turn on a TV show. You don't want to watch 15 minutes and then 15 have to minutes. stop. <laughs> yep. Maybe I'll cook lunch. You don't want to cook the food and then not be able to eat it. <laughs> right. And that's, mm-hmm. I think we're, we're giving kids enough time to cook the food and not enough time to eat it. And it is mm-hmm. so frustrating. Right, right. And, you know, when I get a call from a classroom teacher who wants some help with some behavior, they want me to come in and observe or whatever, a lot of times what they're struggling with is there's, it's usually a boy for whatever reason, there's, there's a, a kid who just won't get engaged or their engagement is only walking around disturbing other people's work or just knocking things off shelves or just running around. And I think that points to me to an environmental and adult expectation issue, not a child behavior issue. Cause that, that to me is a child who's learned, I'm just going to have to clean it all up anyway, or they're not going to like the way I do it. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm just going to get interrupted. So why bother? Yeah. And, and that, I, and that some, why bother attitude. It's amazing how many teachers feel that way about their own prep time. Oh. Or their own. Yeah. Like when they are given 10 minutes in. Ooh, that's the best one. When you're at a workshop <laughs> and you're given 10 minutes, like discuss. Ready, go. <laughs> we have five minutes to talk about the meaning of this- progressivism in education. <laughs> And most teachers are, do that exact thing. They mess around on their phone. Um, yeah, that's that's exactly right. And that's another good way to help teachers take the perspective of the child is to think about situations like that where, you know, I think I think it was during a conversation about cleaning up. Yeah. And I think this was at Uncon when uh, we were all just kind of sitting at Dan's feet, Dan Hodgins' feet, and listening to his wisdom. Uh-huh. Um, but he ta- I think he was talking about his daughter as a quilter or does sewing or something. And she talked about how if she had to put it all away every time. You never get the quilt made. You'd never get anything done and you'd stop doing something that really you enjoy. And I, I think that's, that's true of a lot of the crafty kinds of things I do. Yeah, I've always same. got pieces of it all around. Um, but if I had someone saying, uh, okay, you can work on your weaving now but only for 15 minutes and then we're gonna have to do takes me that long to get it all together and make sure I've got all the materials I need and think about which project I want to work on because of course I've got three looms now yeah (laughs) um so imagine you know again just putting putting that perspective back to the children yeah sometimes it takes me that long just to remember where I'm at in a single project yeah 
Yeah. Well, I think what I've seen is it takes children at least a half an hour to get really engaged in deep play. Yeah. To make those decisions about what they want to do and what they need and who what they want involved. And uh, and then like an hour more of the play to be valuable and meaningful. Yeah. Because it takes um, that long to get into flow state. Right. Oh, flow state. Flow state. Talk state. about flow state. Talk, can you pronounce the, the Czech author's name? Do you know what I'm no, talking about? No, I do, but Jerry I don't Gunn, know the name. And, uh, I, I don't even know if I can yeah. pretend to butcher it as much as I would. Uh, flow I'll state. look it up while you talk about it. Thanks. Uh-huh. And then you get to say it. And I'll try to say it. I'm <laughs> Polish. I can say hard names. Excellent. <laughs> uh, so flow state is this like optimal learning state, right? Where you're like everything's tuned in. And time seems to not pass at the same rate because you're so deeply engaged in what you're doing. It's it's that moment where you like look down and you look up and an hour has gone by and you're like, wow. Yeah. I didn't even notice. It didn't even feel like I was doing work right then. Right. Yeah. Um, and kids, with- kids reach flow state in their play. That's what we mm-hmm. often refer to as deep play. Yeah. And I think that's, um, where this idea from later in that quote that they're going to defend their play fiercely comes from. And I think that too sometimes is what we interpret as misbehavior Yeah. when they're defending their play. And they sort of get to that um, later uh, in this same section of the book. Um, they say sometimes what appears mean is actually just children trying to protect that deep play. So whether that's... Yeah telling someone they can't play with them or telling them to go away or, um, you know, even getting frustrated and knocking a block tower down or something yeah. um, is all, could all maybe be seen as a child just protecting their, what they need to do. Yeah. And, you know, certainly I'm not saying it's okay for kids to hurt each other or whatever, but step back and look at what, what's really happening. Um, yep. There, keep that in uh-huh. your mind. Keisha Reed has yeah. a really great blog post about this. Yeah. About a boy building. I can't a say this name. Oh, you got to Mahali. the Mahali. Yeah, I can't say it. C S I K S Z E N T M I H A L Y I. If anyone wants to Google that. <laughs> Is that it's a the great, one you look That's the one. And he has yeah. a, a whole article about flow state. Yeah. That there's is a lot of delightful. good stuff. Just Google flow state. You'll get him. Oh. Anyway, Keisha's blog post. Oh, someone's away. away. <laughs> you don't like when your play is interrupted either, do you? <laughs> Listeners are lactating all over. You know, <laughs> your baby <laughs> Did you hear that good burp Those too? Nursing listeners know I was talking. Oh, I'm looking at his sweet little there. head though. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So Keisha's blog post. Um, she talks you about. Started to say. Uh, th- she has a great story about um, a boy who's playing at clay and another boy who tries to join. And he says, "Like, no, you can't play with me." But then instead of jumping in, she just watches. Uh huh. And like watches, watches the one boy defend his play and the other boy try to figure out how to engage in the play without. Uh-huh interrupting it as well because when you're when you're playing a really good thing other people around you 
also get in. defend the play. Oh, yeah. And they want to join, but they also don't want to fundamentally change the game, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes, too, you know, a teacher may not have seen what set that all up and only sees the raised voices or whatever at the end and swoops in feeling like they just need to address that instead of doing what mm-hmm. Keisha, what you described Keisha doing. Mm-hmm. Just keep talking. Watch. I'm going to move. Yeah. And letting that, letting the children kind of figure out how to handle that conflict. <laughs> now your dog's head just popped up. <laughs> it's a zoo over here these days. <laughs> tomato just popped up over the back of the car seat there um where was i going oh letting children decide what's a conflict because it's not always they don't always see it as something unpleasant either that they need our help with right i can remember when curtis and josie were little and i'd go in thinking they needed me to help do some conflict resolution and they'd say mom we're just fighting (laughs) back off we've got this (laughs) We're just fighting. <coughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the moral of this story is, yeah. how long would you allocate for tasks in a schedule? Yeah. Trick question. So, so what, what do you mean? So I was just thinking, let's bring this to the daily schedule then and see. Yeah, yeah. So I'm what thinking. What we really can do with it. Um, when you look at like a typical preschool or kindergarten day there are times Mm -hmm. like this is our work center time and this is Mm -hmm. our play time and this is our recess time how much time would you give to any given chunk in order to feel in order for the kids to feel like they had enough time to actually engage like Mm -hmm. let's revamp the boy in this quote example where he says Uh like there's not enough time to start anything how much time is enough time to start something yeah. Well, I think, I mean, at least an hour. Yeah. I'm to really agreeing. get in there. Yeah. I'm trying to find this meme that I saved that is a, a that is um, relevant to this conversation. But I just did a big phone clean out. Mm. Oh, the maybe phone clean gonna, out. Maybe I'm not going to be able to. Did you make some it. new folders? Did you rearrange some apps? I didn't do that, but. Um, so my friend Mason, who's six, uh-huh. likes to make videos on my phone. And mm. I had to clear up some space for him to make videos. So I just deleted a lot of stuff. Yeah. And now I can't find it. But it was it's basically just a very open day. Um, and the schedule is like, you know, breakfast will be available at this time. And then they'll probably want to play, so we'll play. And then they'll probably want to be hungry again, so we'll eat. And then they'll probably, like, it was very, ah, I can't believe I can't find it. Um, and, and we kind of just did this. Oh, here it is. So, arrival. Children will need to move. Sometime in the morning, children will need to eat, unless, of course, they'd rather move. Late morning, children will need to move, preferably outside. Sometimes children will stop moving long enough to go potty, but sometimes not. <laughs> Midday, children will need to eat again, more likely while still moving. (laughs) Prior to rest time, I will read a story with children moving around me. 
mid-afternoon children will need a rest except for a few who will probably need to move <laughs> it just kind of goes like that yeah um but I, I think we need to just look at the schedule and see what kind of stuff is non-negotiable you know we have to offer food yep what are the fixed then, points right and and that's really all you need to put on a schedule and everything else can be play yes and if if we're doing our job as facilitators and we're setting up the environment with interesting materials yeah and giving children the time and the freedom and being there to help as needed when yeah. asked yeah then that's that's really when children can get involved and don't have to worry about interruption. Yeah. It's, it's when we get busy to use your phrase, teaching mm -hmm. or to use Travis's analogy, playing school. Yep. That, that we start to actually teach children that it's not worthwhile to get involved in anything. And yeah. I always have people argue with me when I say that, because I always have people who are like, they're not literally sitting and thinking those words. They're not sitting on the floor and thinking, well, I'm not going to get involved because uh, they might be. Yeah. And even if it's just on a subconscious level, that doesn't mean that it's not real. Happening. Yeah. 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 And so, I've also seen it the opposite way where, uh -huh. um, honestly, that's what I find myself struggling with in my classroom more than the kid who doesn't want to get, get engaged. It's the kid who uh -huh. refuses to disengage. Oh, which yeah, is I also like talked about that. you've given them enough time to start and yeah. now you don't have enough time to finish. Yeah. Because it's just the day's ending. It's time to go home. Yeah. Is that what you're talking or about? it's yeah. time for lunch or yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, it's so cold. We have to have indoor recess today and our only time with the gym. Oh, right. Usually we'd be outside for an hour, but today uh -huh. we have 15 minutes in the gym and yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's the other end of it too. If so, you don't have, it's like you need so much time. You need time to engage, mm -hmm. which is to me that thirty minutes to an hour. But then you right. need time to follow through. To, then you need to time finish to finish. Yeah. Yeah. So what do we do there? I mean, if it's something that they want to come back to, we just find a way to protect it. Like if it's building or art or some sort of loose parts play. Yeah. Just find a way to keep it safe and ready for them when they come back. Yeah. Taking pictures helps a lot. Mm. Let's take a picture of that so that we remember what you were working on. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, that, that's really powerful, I think, for a child to see that we're willing to do that. That mm -hmm. even though there's something important that we need to have them do with us, that we will do whatever we can to preserve what they were in the middle of. Yeah. And how important think, is it? That's the other thing. How how important is leaving it? How important no, how important is whatever oh. you're leaving it to do? Oh, right. You know? Right, right. Sometimes it is important. If I don't stop you to eat, you won't eat all day. Right? Or Sometimes you can't sleep here tonight cuz yeah. there isn't anybody here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And I think that's where uh, that's another hang up that I get when I'm talking to people about thinking in this way is, you know, there are times that we do just really need to do it. And then I see teachers getting into like power struggles. And I, I do think that sometimes it's okay. Do what you can to preserve the, preserve the work and hear the child and let them know they've been heard. 
but sometimes you just need to physically move them respectfully, of course. Yeah. Sometimes you to have whatever to be you're done. doing next. Yeah. Like there's no, sometimes you need to stop and move on to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. And if we do our job preserving the play every time we can, then it gives extra validity to the times that we can't. Right. And I think the trust is there. So yeah. they know that you're not just being unreasonable and saying no because you're the grown-up saying no. Right. Again, maybe that's on a subconscious level and not a conscious thought they're having. Right. But it's like it's like babies who have learned that when I cry, someone will respond. Mm-hmm. Then learn they can trust their environment and they cry less because they know they don't have to fight as hard to get their need met. They yep. know that someone's coming. It's the yep. same thing for these older children. They've seen often enough then that we will give them time when we can mm-hmm. and that when we can't, we will hear them and try to try to help, yep. try to come up with some sort of plan. Yep. And um, uh, then they will resist less eventually. Yeah. I'm not because saying you're forming a team. Yeah. That's what I what I see the ultimate issue is here. You're not the boss. Right. You're a team member. Right. As a teacher, you are an equal part of this team. <laughs> and despite how much you feel like the boss, and sometimes you have to be the person on the team that says, hey, let's stop and eat. Yeah. There, there's that person on every team anyway, you know? Right. It doesn't have to be this disproportionate well, think- power struggle. Right. I think so often when people talk about teamwork, they assume that that means equality or everybody has the same role and everybody's just kind of, you know, riding along together. But there are roles on teams like in sports, different positions have different roles and the coach is part of the team, but they ultimately are the one calling the shots. Yeah. And so we look at it because they see the bigger picture. Right, right. It's not about having power over people. It's about understanding the roles or, and the needs yeah. and the perspectives. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think perspective taking is one of the underestimated characteristics of a good early childhood teacher. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it really fits into this conversation, especially Mm -hmm. To be able to look at what if, and I think we've talked about this in a previous episode. I kind of always have, I've been wanting lately to do this. I don't know if it's as an article or just research or just conversation, but to have adults, hey baby. He wants to to do the conversation. (laughs) (laughs) To have adults list everything they did from the time they got out of bed in the morning to the time they went back to bed at night and put like a little star every time it was their choice or every time a decision was in their hands and then do the same thing for a child in their classroom and think about, and then compare Yeah, how often they just have no power. So of course they resist when we need them to be cooperative Yeah, because they're, they're, they're feeling powerless. And yeah. um, if we start to look at it more as a team and less as a power balance mm-hmm. um, or imbalance, um, take our own egos out of it, then I think good things happen in classrooms. Absolutely. And teacher stress level goes down eventually. Yeah. 
once they're comfortable. This giant fat cat keeps laying on my notes. I keep I keep seeing this little two little pairs of ears pop up in the camera. <laughs> it's Gwen Wyver. She's a huge lard butt. <laughs> oh, hey, Katie. Yeah. Yeah. They've been lonely. Um, so where were we? I don't even remember. We were talking about teamwork. Perspective taking. Teamwork, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So beyond time. So time is a good good way to give the power back. Yeah. What else would you do in a classroom to give the power back? To give the power back? Yeah. Hmm... I don't know. I sort of feel like individualizing as much as you can mm-hmm. moves us out of that power mentality too. It's when one person is trying to lead a whole group or control a whole classroom, they yeah. feel like they failed if that doesn't come easily. Uh-huh. And I think that comes from a, from a place of thinking I need to be in power all the time. I'm the grown up. I'm the adult. I'm in charge. Yeah. Um, but when we break it into smaller groups and what do individuals need and want and get um and going even as something as simple as when it's time to if you do have to clean up for something which i'm of the opinion that you only need to really clean up if you need to put cots on the floor and there's too much stuff on the floor to get your cots out otherwise it can just all stay out um Uh with some decluttering here and there because clutter can be stressful for people but um if it is time to do a cleanup rather than ringing a bell or turning off the light and just yelling cleanup time or singing a silly song, just move around from child to child with a hand on the shoulder and say, I need you to help me clean up now. I'm going to do this. Will you do that? Um, or I need you to put this away or help me carry this, that kind of stuff. Breaking it down into the individual mm-hmm. as often as you can takes away some of that power, I think. Yeah. Ooh, I like that idea because then you can also see, who's done and who's not with their play yeah you can start start with the kids who are floating looking for something to do because that happens yeah the reality of the 15 minutes I say 15 minutes because that's the most frustrating time for me when I have 15 (laughs) minutes it's like just enough time to maybe do a thing but definitely not enough time to do a thing well yeah Uh, unless that thing is brush my teeth you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but even when you give a, even when you're in a purely play-based program, you've been playing for three hours. There's the kid who finished. Yeah. Who naturally finished two hours and 45 minutes into a thing. And they're looking <laughs> for a new thing to do. And they uh-huh. also understand. I, this, we're nearing the end of the day. I don't want to yeah. get started on a thing. Cause I'll just have to finish. Mm-hmm. So this is a reality of, I think, every program. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Just because uh, not everybody gets engaged and stays engaged the entire time. It's right. a natural ebb and flow. Right. And sometimes that helps you see, you know, there are some children that you'll just know are, you know, that's how they operate. But if you're seeing children who suddenly really usually are engaged and aren't, then maybe you need to look at the materials you've got. Maybe they're tired of it. You know, these, these kids, a lot of them are spending almost 10 hours a day in the same space with the same stuff day after day after day. And 
it may meet all the criteria on our, you know, licensing checklist or accreditation checklist to have those materials. But there are other ways, you know, sometimes we just need to look. Yeah. How exciting is this train set going to be after six months, 40 hours a week? (laughs) Yeah. How (laughs) do you spice it up? Three-year-olds love trains. Yeah. 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 and looking at that too. So, um, and the, and in that circumstance, that 15 minutes at the end of the day is a great time to pull that kid aside and be like, Hey, what are you, mm. what have you, what did you work on this morning? What do you right. need tomorrow to do some to review do something yeah. better? What, how can we, uh-huh. what do you think we should switch the trains out for? Yeah. I know you used to love the trains and you don't anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's Travis who says he sometimes pulls everything out of the room and doesn't get anything out until a child asks for it. Ooh, I love that. And that helps him see a lot which materials are still meaningful and which could be done without. Yeah. And uh, because kids can ask for them, it's still accessible. So it meets some licensing, Mm -hmm. you know, standards. You still got all this stuff accessible that they need to have. I that's think really that's, interesting to me. That's a tricky one to me. I don't think it would work developmentally for three-year-olds in my mind. Mm-hmm. You think? Yeah. Uh, because a lot, we have a very small classroom and mm-hmm. a storage closet. And we also, if a kid asks for a thing, we're like, oh yeah, we have that. We'll go get it. Oh, but right. You have to have the space. To, you have to have the space yeah. and you have to have, the kids have to be able to remember all of the things that are accessible. That were there. That right. were there. And I think that that works there's like a mm-hmm. a level of permanence that kicks in. Yeah. Well, and then are they only ever asking for the same things and do they lose out? I mean, I don't think it's something they do long term. I think when he's talked yeah. about it, it's, it's just, just like we need every to, now and again to revisit. To yeah. yeah. That seems like a good late spring thing. Yeah. You know, we've all been, <laughs> we're all yelling at each other. We've yeah. been stuck inside from the wintry weather. <laughs> We're just bored of everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They they did something similar this year. I was I was super sick, I think. Uh-huh. Uh and they took everything no, maybe I was on my maternity leave at this point. I don't know. But um Nikki took everything out of the room and then listed all up all the possibilities. Here's uh-huh. all the stuff across the hall. And then she took a vote. What oh. do you miss the most? <laughs> and she said that the kids missed like the most boring things. Really? And they were super happy, even though it was like, oh, you voted to bring all the exact same things back in the classroom. Cool. Yeah. But because they had had that power, they were a hundred times more interested and engaged. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Power is, power is important to think about in early childhood. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to think about because we do have to let go of some ego mm-hmm. um, to really give that a good review. Yeah. And I that's think hard it, for all of us. <laughs> it's also hard when you're the boss. Like in a classroom, uh-huh. you teachers sometimes feel like they're the boss because they're the adult, which we oh. just talked about. Uh-huh. But I think yep. also if you are the boss of that program uh-huh. and you're in charge of all the teachers, how do you give those yeah. teachers power? Yeah. Because I think that it, it trickles down a lot. Yeah, that's a whole other episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's a long subject, as we say. Yeah. I'm writing it down, though. Yeah, stay tuned. 
<laughs> Next up. Yeah. Um, so how do we want to wrap this up? What do we want to leave folks with? Oh, the same I mean, message I, we always do. Give kids lots, lots of power. Them Trust them. Power. Quit saying no all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Say no to um, no. <laughs> yes. I think, though, just look at the daily schedule and count the number of interruptions and decide whether they're really necessary or is it just because this is the way we've always done things. Yeah. Um, but also, I would say for the younger ones, like the ones who are still in diapers, mm-hmm. think about your diaper changing. Is it an emergency that you interrupt play to change this diaper right now? Mm -hmm. Um, I always say, unless they're sitting in a puddle of pee or have the poop trail crawling up their back, (laughs) it's probably not enough of an emergency to interrupt an engaged infant or toddler to change their diaper. Because now that I have an infant, (laughs) it takes a lot of work to really get engaged in a thing, which... Yeah. He's very engaged with his toes right now, and it's adorable. Nice. (laughs) But it took a lot of focus and energy for him to get engaged in the thing. And you think, like, oh, because they're little, we can just, like, they're like little goldfish. You just take them, and they'll come right back to it. No. No. And, you know, but that's, that's what's great about this Emily Plank book. Because the reason it's hard for us is it doesn't make sense for to us that banging a toy on the floor is that engaging. Or, yeah. you know, coming back to this tower is going to be difficult. Why can't you just leave it? But she really forces you to look at childhood as if we're studying another culture or another country and we're trying to learn their ways and take their perspectives. Mm-hmm. And it's hard work, I think. Yeah. But, um, but it's, I think it's really, if we have not been clear, read this book. Excellent. We should probably just start making our podcast like reading a chapter out loud to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Is there in? an audiobook version? <laughs> Probably. I don't because know. Because if there looked. isn't, you can you could email me and I'll just read it out loud to you on the weekends. <laughs> You're driving Perfect. somewhere? Call me up. I'll just read it out loud. <laughs> Is there anybody who's like, nope, don't believe in anything this book has to say? I have has not that come heard. up yet? <laughs> I'm sure they're out there. I need to look at maybe the Amazon reviews. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. just... It's so universally good to me. Yep, I like, think you're right. Ooh, so good. I kind of want to buy a paper copy just so I have both. Oh, um, I only the Kindle have a paper copy and the oh, paper I copy. You. I thought you meant like I got it. I have a hard cover. I also need a paper. Oh no. I was like, but wow, I, that's a I, next level nerd move right there. <laughs> I I have several of my Weathering Heights. I have like four different copies of. Wow. Because sometimes they just feel different and they smell different. Yeah, and that's Harry Potter. Anyway, for me. But anyway, so I bought I bought this book after Uncon because everybody was talking about it, and I think someone brought a copy of it. That would and be me. So I bought it on the Kindle because that was where I had access. But books that I really, really love, I need to have physical copies of. Yeah, book agreed. copies of also. So um, honestly, any nonfiction. Really, fiction books. So this is the. This is still relevant, I promise. Okay. When I read a fiction book, I can read it for five minutes and put it down. And it's not um, as good if it's a really good book. But, like, if I'm getting in bed, yeah. about to fall asleep, I can read yeah. three pages and be fine. A nonfiction book, I have to really have some time have some time to spend with it. Yep, me I have too. to have my page in notes. Yep. I have to have my pencil to underline in the book. Yeah. I dog ear now. Ooh, oh. I used to really hate that. <laughs> 
But I have to because, like, I have to, like, ooh, this would be a good quote for the podcast. Uh And then I, like, uh, dog ear the bottom for things that are really important to, like, all those exclamation point moments. and I have color-coded the little tiny strip post-its. Ooh, yeah. And if it's orange, that means I'm marking it for a podcast idea. Uh If it's green, I'm marking it for something I want to write about. Uh So then I can just pull them all out delightful i have a system I know. you do have <laughs> to do an system. episode about our systems too yeah Ooh, that yeah. would be fun because i have a this is going to be a long episode we should do an episode about reading books because i uh-huh. love to talk about reading nonfiction. yeah because i didn't learn how to do it until like a year ago oh wow even though i've read a ton of non- nonfiction, right but you have yeah, to like read it differently or... you can't read it for the twist at the end Right. That's not exactly. how this works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not waiting to find out how it all ends. Yeah. Skipping to the last book. Yeah. Last chapter. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're right. Okay. So I just wrote down a couple of other ideas for future episodes. Should we wrap this one up and then talk about it? I think we should wrap post? this one okay. up. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. So um, thanks again, everybody, for listening. Come back for another episode. Thanks, Tiffany. Bye, Say Heather. Bye. <laughs> And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh. Hey, we need your support to keep the podcasts flowing. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash support to learn how. One of the big things you can do is shop Amazon with the link we provide. You buy your cat food, you buy your kids' books, you buy whatever it is you buy on Amazon, you pay the regular price. We get a small percentage of it. Everybody wins. A lot of people are doing it. It really supports the shows, and we really appreciate it. Give it a try. Thanks.